to uh, this week's podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe. This is the Paradigm Life and Investors Paradigm Radio Network. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for downloading the podcast. Uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time, please go back and listen to our previous podcast. We have uh, a lot of information based on the, the philosophy here at the Investors Paradigm and, and Paradigm Life, uh, as well as content relating to some of the strategies that we that we recommend to clients. Uh, for those of you uh, who are listening for the first time, please go to our website. Our website is www.paradigmlife.net. That's P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M-L-I-F-E.net. There you can enter in your information and request a uh, free three-page article uh, that outlines uh, a little bit about our uh, alternative retirement plan. Also, we're on Facebook for you Facebookers out there and social network out uh, social networkers. Uh, there's also some, some information on there. We definitely uh, blog uh, uh, as well, and so uh, so there's some some information of how to to follow us and and keep involved with uh, with what we're up to. Uh, today, I actually have a special guest on the phone uh, out of California. His name is Andy Safa. Andy and I have known each other for about a year now, and uh, very impressed uh, with Andy and and his knowledge of. Uh, the economy of, of capitalism, uh, capitalism and the, the principles behind capitalism, and it's an honor to have him on the on the show today. Andy, welcome. Good to be with you, Patrick. Cool. So, uh, so basically, what we're going to talk about today over the next fifteen to twenty minutes uh, is is what's going on in the economy. That's a topic that we often cover here. Uh, but based on you know some of the the recent events, including today's job numbers, uh, I definitely I, I think it's always good to to give uh, as as an objective. Uh, a point of view as possible when it comes to the economy, even though it's it's kind of hard to do that uh, because we get an, we get a perspective, we get a bias from the media, and uh, I think it's sometimes good to have a, contra- a contrarian point of view to to uh, to break open from you know some of the things that the media uh, explains as far as what's going on uh, in the economy. We're also going to talk about how individuals are typically monitoring the economy, uh, what they're getting from it, and and how their behavior uh, is is resulting in some of their outlooks on on the economy. Uh, and also, we're going to talk about infinite banking, which is the, the service that one of the services that we provide here at the uh, Investors Paradigm and Paradigm Life. So, so Andy, I know that you know based on uh, on what I know of you, uh, you love to read, and uh, it's something I love to do as well. And I think uh, it's it's really neat to look at you know the, the various perspectives that there are on the economy. But uh, why don't you talk to me about kind of what your what your view of an economy is? Or uh, you know maybe how a productive economy works. Okay, well, Patrick is we're living in very interesting times. I mean, the, the discussions on the economy are are so vast and so real, really unpredictable. You have economists like Rubini who are pessimists, and you have other economists that are saying, you know, we're uh, we're going to experience growth and we're out of it. So there's both sides of the argument that are pretty. They they both have very foundational arguments. Uh, one of them is, are we going to experience inflation? Or the other one is, are we going to experience deflation? And both of those sides of the argument have very solid arguments for themselves. So the, the problem I see with the economy right now is, is two things. One is the unpredictability of it. So uh, we know the Fed has been increasing the money supply heavily, but also the demand for money is also uh, very high. Uh, that's why you know banks are tightening credit. We just got news from Dubai World defaulting on nearly $80 billion in debt. Uh, so whether we're going to experience inflation or deflation, 
it's it's very uncertain. Did well, well I think on? one I think one of the one of the things that you mentioned that's it's worth 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 kind of breaking off on is is the fact that that the economy is is unpredictable because you have you have lots of different parties in the economy and I think that you know you look at the the decline everybody can see that there's a decline in our economy which has resulted in uh, you know declines in the in the international economy um, but you look at the different players in the economy and you have this uh, you have this big player which is the U.S. government that is trying to uh, trying to manipulate the economy and as you were saying the reason why it's unpredictable is because obviously the government has an objective when it comes to its changes in the economy and what they're going to do about it. And some of the things that they've done is they've had mass spending uh, and, and they've thought that that would somehow uh, – you know, help the economy. Uh, you know, yesterday they had the job summit at the White House. Uh, they've given you know different tax incentives to buy cars. I mean, here you have the government trying to uh, initiate growth in the economy in, in different respects. But some of the unpredictability is: sure, you might help out in one respect, but you might hurt in another respect. And those are, you know, unintended, unintended consequences. I know there's a lot of talk about unintended consequences because whenever you make a decision, sure, you're focused on, you know, what the the ultimate objective of that, of that decision is. But there's going to be other results of that decision that people typically don't think about. I mean, the, the analogy I use for, for the point you're making is like the economy is pretty much like an athlete. And when the government gets involved by spending and creating demand, what, what John Maynard Keynes said to do is like – giving the athlete steroids. And when we see the athlete running, you know, he's running fast, he's in great shape, but we know that he's on steroids. The source that is behind this power it's artificial. is artificial, and it's unsustainable. So, and when we have businesses like we do today, I mean, I saw, I think it was a couple of months ago when they were speaking of the home buyer, first home buyer tax credit, Literally, you had people from the Board of Realtors and all the people in the real estate business begging the government to extend this tax credit so that their business can be moving. Yeah. So, so it's, this, <laughs> it's this artificial uh, source that is right now behind the economy, which is really adding to the unpredictability. This, it's not sustainable. Yep. Well, I think that you know you look at, and I want to kind of back up and try to take more of an, an objective view. I, I think if you look at you know some of the things that President Obama is doing, and and uh, other other individuals in his cabinet that are recommending certain decisions and certain plans, um, I don't think they're they're mal there's malintent there, right? I think that they they want to help the 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 economy out, but the role of government is not and never was. To do that, and there's the disconnect because the government isn't really a productive body. The government really hasn't invented anything. The government really has never produced anything, right? right? right. Uh, business owners do, corporations do, and you have to let you know an economy be be free and sovereign in order to to operate correctly. And I, I think that you know there, there's going to be no such thing as as a perfect economy. That that's not the purpose. Of the economy and trying to tweak this and tweak that incentivize here incentivize there it's only going to add to to counterproductiveness because you know the the economy is never meant uh, to have those different stimulations the stimulations need to come about by by businesses and creating not artificial growth but real real growth and the irony is Patrick the real issue of this whole thing uh, on the on the political scale, less on the economic scale, is that uh, you hear all the time in the news, uh, Obama is going to be tested based on 
what happens in the economy as everybody is putting the economy on the government shoulders. So then when we have this, when as a people have this massive expectation on the president to fix the economy, that's when, uh, that's when the problems lie because the growth of the economy should not be on the hands of the government like we've literally uh, put that on them. So it well, really- you, you go back, I mean, you just, all you have to do is, you know, go back to economies that have operated like this in the past. Because we're not, you know, this, this like you were saying, as we put the economy on the government's shoulders, it's not like that's never happened before, right? That's happened a lot in the past. Sure. Sure. And there has never been one instance where it's where it succeeded, not one. And, you know, a perfect example that people probably, you know, recognize is is the Soviet Union, right? Soviet Union, you know, that country probably has the most amount of resources uh, comparatively speaking, to any other country in the world, right? But yet they had a government trying to figure out how to be as productive as possible with those resources, and they never got anywhere, and then eventually it imploded, right? Yeah. And so, and, and the same thing is going to happen here. I mean, I, we we know that that you know, hope well, hopefully we know that President Obama is wanting to do what's best for the country, right? And all these other individuals are trying to do what's best for the country, but what they're doing, the actions that they are taking, are going to be counterproductive because it's been tried before and it's never succeeded that's i mean you, you've hit it right on the dot the, the the issue is really that people are i mean what obama's doing right now patrick i mean we got to be honest with ourselves it wasn't really any secret he never uh campaigned on free market principles no. or yeah, I know. Uh, he's doing exactly what he campaigned for and he got uh he got voted in by the american people yeah. uh so I mean, the, the real the responsibility is on us as a people to uh, really not expect the government to bail us out. Yeah. You know, as the classical term. And that's what's and and that's what's difficult because you're you're absolutely right. And that kind of transitions into the, the next topic we wanted to discuss is you know how individuals view view an economy. And you're right. I mean, the the majority of individuals in our country right now wouldn't don't understand what true economics is, and uh, it's unfortunate. And we've been conditioned to to think like that, to have some sort of you know ignorant ignorant view of the economy. And I'm not saying that you know it's inherently it's inherently bad, or we're putting the blame on a certain certain amount of of, of individuals or demographic. Because um, because we're not. It's just how this you know the, the United States or the American culture operates, right? We're we're conditioned and we're taught in a certain respect, and that's the outlook or viewpoint we have on the world. But if you if you kind of go contrarian and really look at classical uh, economists and their viewpoint, um, you know, it, an economy or a government is supposed to operate on the principle of freedom. Right. And freedom incorporates two things. It re- incorporates success and it incorporates failure. Right. And right now, people don't like to fail. Nope. Nobody. Nobody likes to fail. Right. Businesses don't like to fail. People don't like to go bankrupt. People don't like to lose money. People don't like to lose businesses. You know, they, they don't like that. And they want to steer clear anywhere possible. Right. In order to, to have to go through that type of uh, that type of event. Right. And so you look at people's viewpoint of the government and the government is their safety net. Right. The government is their saving grace. The government is the solution to their problems. And that's that's so destructive. Right. Because the best lessons of life are learned in failure. Right. Look at, you know, look at, um, you know, the Wright brothers. Right. Look at um, Albert Einstein. Right. Look at, um, you know, all different different scientists that have invented something significant. They didn't do it 
the first time. They didn't do it the second time. They didn't do it the third time. It took multiple times, trial and error, failure after failure, to accomplish the productive end. And so if we inhibit failure, right, there's going to be, you know, there's not going to be any progress. And that right now is what's basically going on. The government is trying to solve the problems of the people where in reality it's the people's, uh, it's the people's responsibility to solve their own problems. I mean, the, the outlook on this whole real bailout thing, I mean, so I've, I read a lot of Warren Buffett's work, and he, of course, uh, agreed with the bailouts, and uh, I mean, it's it's really a, it's, it's a tough thing to say that if some of the firms weren't bail, uh, bailed out, what was going to happen, but certainly, for what I know for certain is some of the firms that were, for instance, uh, the auto industry, that was, a, that was a complete waste, and the reason was the uh, the government viewed these companies, like GM as a storage for workers, yeah. you know, not even as a place <laughs> to make cars. It was just, you know, if we don't bail these guys out, it's a place to give them uh, a job. Yeah, yeah, it's just like their warehouses, just to keep workers busy. And I mean, it was, it's the same outlook they have now, and it, and it's really, it's it's an outlook that doesn't really get anywhere. Because when when you think that the economy is, and I'm not, you know, anti, I am anti labor, um, labor unions, but I'm not anti labor. And uh, the the problem is when we start seeing, uh, as the president obviously sees by the amount of uh, the amount of speeches is given and mentioned this point, that when they think a company begins with the workers, you know, which is exactly what Marx thought, uh, there is no end goal. Yep. You know, and how could they focus on producing better cars when that is really not their focus? Their no. focus is just to make the cars. And unfortunately, the bulk of the population today are employees. They're they're workers, and and I don't have I don't have anything against workers, right? But I think that the whole viewpoint of job creation has has transitioned into um, a certain right, right, as opposed to a privilege, because okay. those that create the jobs are those that create the industry, and the government has never created any industry, but yet they think they can come in and play the role of the job creator. The ones that create industry are the business owners and entrepreneurs, and and I know that it's, you know, it, there's an, a feeling of unfairness when a worker looks at their boss, you know, driving a Mercedes, and he barely can put food on the table, right? I know that there's some sort of resentment there, but you have to, you have to nail it down and take that emotion out of it and realize that the individuals that are these business owners They've done, you know, years of schooling, years of reading, years of studying, years of trial and error to get to the point where they're where they're at. Right. And people don't recognize the the value there. There's a, a resentment because businessmen and entrepreneurs oftentimes have more more status than than the worker. Yeah. Right. And I think that, you know, that's that's something that Obama preyed on, which I, I, I don't necessarily agree with because it just again, it, it, it prevents the progress of workers. He he preyed on, hey, we're going to create equality. Hey, we're, we're going to make sure that you have health care. Hey, we're, we're going to make sure that you have benefits, that you have retirement. Right. And what that does, it just takes away from a person's self, you know, ability to be self-reliant. Well, the relationships destroyed. The relationship between the employee and the employer, which is such a valuable relationship to have for a productive business, yep. is just completely with these unions. And I mean, these these are the ones that, are, like in China, for instance, they don't have these uh, safety units, and which is ironic since you know everyone thinks they're a communist country. Uh, but when 
I was uh, I was hearing one of the CEOs of a company. The, the company's name was actually Costco, uh, and it's a pretty big uh, exporting company in China. And the CEO was talking about how he treats his labor, and he was making the point that he does his best to uh, not fire and not uh, lay off anyone because uh, in good times. They, they keep them, but in bad times, uh, he says most American companies are the first to just uh, lay their workers off, and he tries his best to to keep to not make that happen because he has a relationship with each of his workers, and that's a country that you don't have these unions, and yet the bosses and the employees are obviously a lot closer, and being closer, they get to do better business, and the company gets to be more productive, and this is something the unions and the government just simply just doesn't understand. Yeah. It's, and it's a transition that's been going on for a long period of time. It's not. It's not like it suddenly appeared here. But I think that you know, if you look at just just individuals, the bulk of the population of the United States, the United States, um, it's it's a we're a very privileged privileged country, very privileged. right? And we have a ton of, of freedoms and opportunities that are often taken for granted. I mean, I well, I, I discussed on our uh, on the podcast last week that you know I was in I was in Mexico for for a week and um, you know just interacted with my my in laws. But uh, there, there's, you know, there's not as many freedoms. And Mexico, compared to, you know, other South American and Central American countries, is very prosperous, you know, very prosperous. But at the same time, they lack a lot of the freedoms that the individuals have here in the United States, and especially the opportunities, right? Anybody in the United States can, you know, go to the library and read to their heart's content for free, right? And there's so much knowledge, so much, you know, inspiration there that a person can totally transform their their life. But we've become, uh, you know, as a population, very, very ignorant and, and very lazy um, and very uh, un, unproductive, right? And, and it's very unfortunate because that's not what our country was based on. Our country was based on, you know, producers and business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and so my, you know, our goal the, and one of the goals of this podcast is really for, for people to take back uh, take back their lives, not just financially, right, but socially and productively. We don't want you to be in a stagnant position for your entire life. Every human being has an amazing uh, seed inside them that can grow, and that seed is ingenuity, right? Ingenuity meaning creating businesses, creating value for other individuals, getting extra degrees, getting extra education, figuring out a way to create services and goods where it's valuable, and that there is is progression, Okay, but individuals are, are are suppressed based on you know what everybody else is is doing. I think the government does have some fault there in in basically you know transitioning a person's you know uh, person's ability to be self reliant for the government taking over that t- that type of self self reliance, and that's led to why there's such a, an individual destruction in personal finance. Right is because people are buying into the exact same system without really thinking about how that how that system works. Well, our president has sort of put the uh, and other members of Congress have put the blame of the uh, the lacking, I guess, educational levels in in this country on uh, lack of well. The, the schools, for instance, they, they say they, you know, they're put their, the qualities are reducing, you go to them, the pain is coming off the walls. They're, they're making excuses based that they don't have enough money to provide the education where, you know, education is not just in schools. You, you can go to any university. You don't even have to be a part of that university and take out their books. You know, it's, it's a purely a matter of interest. It is not a matter of how much money these schools have, like, Obama is constantly, uh, constantly bringing up the point that we just need to keep pumping money into the universities. As uh, and uh, I think 
people need to understand that education is not just in these universities. You know, it's everywhere. Uh, like you said, public libraries. You can get, so there's a source of education right now with the internet and everything. It's everywhere. And what is really lacking is interest. And no amount of money can buy that. Nope. So. No, because yes, yeah, student, students and individuals have to become interested, right? They have to see a, a benefit to to them. But most students, okay. yeah. you know, and I was I was one of them, right? I I went to school in a public system, uh, you know, both through high school and and you know I went to a, a public or you know a state university, um, you know. But it, my there there was an incentive to me in the beginning because it was basically something I was forced to do, and I think kids you know kids are going to be forced to to go to school. I mean, obviously they, they need to, to need to do that, right? But it, instead of engaging interest, it's basically they engage them in a, in a universal curriculum. And it's interesting if you go to the the Communist Manifesto by uh, you know Frederick Engels and, and Karl Marx, one of the principles of communism is a uh, is a public education. Sure. Right. And you're you're absolutely right. I mean, kids these days, what do they do? Right. They go to school because they have to. They're not really engaged, not really interested. They come home. They play World of Warcraft. They eat. They play more World of Warcraft and they go to they go to bed. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing with college kids. College kids are engaged in the same type of behavior. Right. They go to school because their parents pay for it. No, I'm not talking. I'm talking about the majority. I'm not talking about everybody. Sure. Right. But they go to they you know go to school because their parents pay for it and it's it's expected of them. They get a degree. They don't really know where they got it. And hopefully they'll they'll get a job. Right. But during school, they go home, study as much as they need to play World of Warcraft, go and drink at the bar, come home, play more World of Warcraft, go to bed. Right. It's a very, un- very, very un- unproductive. Right. And it's it's really scary. Right. Because this is the this is the demographic, you know, 18 years old to to about 40 years old that is going to bear the burden of one of the biggest economic, you know, uh, storms ever, which is going to be eight to 10 years out, which is the the advent of the baby boomers and, and them retiring, exiting the workforce, selling off their investments, selling off their real estate. Right. To uh, to be able to retire. Right. That wave, that wave and, you know, all the implications and and uh, and results of that wave is going to be on the 18 to 40 year old population. And right now, the 18 to 40 year old population, um, they're horrible. You know, it's it's horrible to see the amount of debt that the average college student has coming out of uh, coming out of school, which is between 40 and 50 thousand uh, dollars. It's 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 disheartening to see the the savings rate among 18 to 40 year olds, which is less than one percent. Right. And so you look at those statistics and it's it's really scary. It's scary what's going to happen in the next eight to ten years. There, so there's a, there's a quote that comes to mind. And I'm not sure who it's by at this point, but it says, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance, <laughs> which really points out the issue. Here. But what's what's unfortunate is that that expense for people that are ignorant, uh, it they realize that expense at the very last minute. And at yeah. that last minute, it's too late. Yeah. And that's what's unfortunate. So one of the, you know, one of the things, Andy, and I, I've discussed this with you. I mean, one of one of our missions is really to to educate people and to help people gain gain control over themselves, right? Right now, there's a system as far as financial planning uh, that is completely destructive to to individuals. If you look at the the characteristics and the intricacies of all qualified plans, whether it's a Roth IRA, which has become very popular recently because of some Roth IRA rules, rule changes, uh, but the 401k or traditional IRA or other type of qualified plans, if you look at how, how those plans work, uh, they won't work. Okay, They won't do what they were meant 
to do. And it's unfortunate because, like you just said, Andy, that ignorance, people are not going to discover that they don't work until the very last minute when they need them. So here at the Investor's Paradigm and Paradigm Life, we offer a a 30-minute free consultation to talk to you about uh, a system that we implement that solves the major problems that all Americans face. But not only do do we solve those problems or help solve those problems, Okay, we, we basically provide uh, a system that allows you to take control of your finances. Right now, when you put a dollar into your 401k or dollar into your IRA, you lose every amount of control because that dollar goes into somebody else's hands. Now, you can choose whether it's a conservative fund or an aggressive fund or whatever or where the vehicle is, but you are not in charge of that vehicle. You are not in charge over the interest that it makes. That is all up to the market. And obviously, the market has not done and has been as consistent as people people would have would have hoped and that's very unfortunate but part of our system is that you're able to take control uh take control over your finances so andy as you've um been exposed to the infinite banking concept and uh, you had the opportunity to actually stay in, in nelson nash's is home what have what have you seen based on you know case studies and how that system has benefited individuals how have you seen it transform this whole idea of lack of self-reliance, lack of control, to the position of self-reliance and control? Well, I think just the fact that when you use it, there is, you're not giving your money up to an unknown source like you are with the 401k. I mean, if it's not self-directed, you're putting money in, and then after you're putting that dollar, like you said, you really don't know what's happening to it. And and the predictability of the market right now, I mean, we're, we're talking individual economy right now, uh, the Dow being around 10,300. I'm watching CNBC, and I'm hearing the reporters say, you know, maybe now is the time to get into the market, you know, because people have realized, you know, it's gone up, and now is the best time. Well, I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've heard. They, they really, nothing has changed from couple of years ago when the real estate market was increasingly going up and people said, you know, let's buy because it's going to keep going up. Well, when, when the Dow was 14, they were saying to get it as well. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So, I mean, the well, well, the thing is, I mean, when the Dow was at that level, uh, I mean, this is a promise I've made myself that next time we're going to experience a stock market crash, I'm not going to miss that opportunity uh, because of the level it's gone up. But overall, the amount of financial education that is out there, most of it, as you're saying, is, uh, I mean, this, this populist view is always damaging. You know, so uh, infinite banking is not uh, it's not a very well known thing, and it's it's a very contrarian uh, contrarian outlook. And as people and as top investors like Warren Buffett will tell you, like Jim Rogers, they constantly are telling you. Uh, I mean, they don't they don't tell you uh, personally, but when you read their work, this is a message that is coming out that uh, you have to look at the opposite of what the the majority are doing. Exactly, right? and this is and this is basically the the opposite because if you look yeah. at you know the the problems that it solves, which is the the unheard of spending problem that Americans have, the unheard of savings problems that they have, the debt problems. Um, the, the, it's it's catastrophic because every the majority of every single dollar that a person uh, that a person makes leaves their pocket once once they make it right, and less than one percent of it ever stays stays to them. Right, and it's and it's really unfortunate, right? But the banking concept allows individuals to solve the the spending problems that exist, uh, put money into savings vehicles that have never lost money in uh, the history of the product's existence, 
right? And also to you know be able to avoid uh, unnecessary unnecessary debt because those three problems right there is if those can be solved. Right, individuals would have more money in their pockets in their savings accounts than double-digit returns consistently in the market, and that's basically what our consultation shows you: is how you can take control of your money, how you can ensure that you'll never lose it again, and how to accumulate what a portfolio would have to do with double-digit returns in the market. And so that that consultation is absolutely free. You can call our office to schedule one. Uh, it's eight hundred eight seven zero eight six. Seven zero. You can also email us at info at paradigmlife.net, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M-L-I-F-E.net. You can also download our free article off of our website, which is paradigmlife.net, www.paradigmlife.net. Uh, also, we have a blog on there. We are on Facebook. Check us out there. Uh, you know, We're going to conclude now. We've been talking for more than we typically allocate time for. Uh, but Andy, I'm gonna have you on a lot more. Uh, I I appreciate your I appreciate your thoughts and your and your insight. I know this was a kind of a last a last minute thing for you, but I but I appreciate your time. It was a pleasure, Patrick. Thank cool. you. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening today. Thank you for downloading. Go back and listen to our previous podcasts. They have the same type of uh, of interesting uh, information, and we'd uh, we'd love to have you continue to to subscribe as well. Uh, that's all for now. We'll talk to you next week.